0: Welcome, you are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Nordics, a podcast constructed to enrich our tech community by connecting some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I am Christopher Ashbridge, and I help connect businesses with talented freelancers and I will be your host. Today I am joined by Stadman, a product manager from Fishbrain, Shantanu, product engineering lead from Kindred and last but not least, say it a product owner from MatSmart. And today is the fourth installment of anything Product. We're going to be looking at business over tech. But before we get into any more details, let's do a round of introduction. So um Salman, do you mind introducing yourself?
1: Absolutely. Uh, first of all, thank you very much, Christopher, for allowing me to be participating um, in this uh, podcast. Really, really appreciate that. Uh, my name is Sadman. I am originally from Dhaka, Bangladesh, and I have been living in uh, Uppsala, Sweden, for the last, um, more than a year now, and uh, I have been a product manager uh, in uh, at Fishbrain uh, for the close to about two years, where I manage two teams: um, the social team, uh, the social media team, and also the machine learning team. And uh, I am uh, a musician, um, so music is my second nature, basically. And uh, I have had a band uh, back in Bangladesh. We have been active for quite some time, but. I think now, as we have hit our early 30s, feels like this is the good time for us to start focusing a bit more towards career. And hence, I am here. That's all about me.
0: I also heard that you're a really good wizard on the guitar, (laughs) Sadman.
1: Well, that's probably one of the only instruments that I don't play.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Right, let's move on to the next person, Shantanu, introduce yourself, please, mate.
2: Hi, everyone. Yeah, my name is Shantanu. I'm actually working as a product engineering lead Uh, uh, in this particular role. I actually work with the channels and brands for Kindred Group, where we have like more than eight brands and uh, including mobile apps to web apps and desktops and uh, desktop apps as well. So I actually lead a team of uh, like six teams, which actually like comes from uh, UI component building UI component to brand dif- two different brand teams, content team, as well as like the content management team. Um, uh, my basic work towards that one is like to deliver in terms of the business, like in terms of the legal, because uh, Kindred is a, a regulated uh, domain uh, of e gambling, so I help out my team members or uh, like my development teams to deliver for business as well as we want to actually become a best company for e-gambling in customer experience as well and that's a company object goal like a long-term goal as well so i i work with that one as well and yes in terms of hobbies uh i'm actually like kind of like uh, i i love to actually cook i want my garden to be perfect I spend time with my kids a lot in gardens, especially in Stockholm uh, in summer, because uh, summer here is really nice. And when you have a six months of like winter, then you really want to enjoy every minute of of the summer. And yes, I think in past I have worked with uh, Google, uh, like both in India as well as in U.S. headquarters and New York head office as well uh for almost eight years as a consultant as a developer as a project manager as a tech lead as well and yes i have been living in sweden for almost like seven years now and yeah that's it about me fantastic fantastic thank you very much and um, let's move it over to say
3: hey so thank you for inviting me uh i'm Sait. i'm originally from turkey uh, i started work as a developer in 2001 uh, then I became an agileist and a extreme programming evangelist very quickly. Uh, I worked in a couple of com- companies and different products as an engineer, and even though we were like building great software, uh, most of them at the end failed, both companies and products, which made me very interested in like what what do we need to do to build something that people need. And also, we can build a business around. Around 2012, I got interested in lean uh, startup movement. Uh, and around 2016, uh, I started to work as exclusive lean product roles. Uh, in general, like in the last more than 20 years, i built products, software products, in roles like engineering, tech lead, scrum master, agile coach, product manager, and director of product. Uh, lately, I'm working as a pro- product management consultant, and currently I'm helping uh, Smart in our mission to uh, co-create the future of food. And that's me. And when it comes to hobbies, I have two small kids. One is two, one is six, uh, which means that they take all the time I have, when I'm not working. <laughs> that's my, my life. That's all.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Well, thank you very much, chaps. Now we've all established a formal context of each other. Let's move on to the topic of focus. Now, we've all reached out um, and spoke about um, business over tech. Um, obviously, being from the product realm, it's trying to balance the, between the two. Now, I've reached out to you and asked all to bring a question for us to discuss. Now, what we'll do is we'll start with Sayit's question. Now, Sayit, you came with me and said, how do we get developers more involved in understanding and caring for business and customer needs? How do we get the actual people solving problems closer to the problem? to the problems that they are solving. That sounds so lovely rolling off the tongue saying that now, but um, <laughs> can, can, you, can you explain a little bit further for us?
3: Yes, I mean, as I said, I worked as a developer for quite a while actually, then I moved to the product roles. And one thing I realized that as a product person, if you spend all your time in writing specific tasks, use cases, user stories, uh, like acceptance criteria this is very time-consuming work and you don't get the time to actually spend time with your uh, customers your users your business stakeholders to understand the actual needs uh, of both the customer and the business so and also another thing i realized that as you as developers are disconnected from the needs of the customer and the business they get less motivated they invest a lot of time on technology which actually doesn't Maybe even better at the end, and they don't contribute their ingenuity in the solution creation. So that became like an obsession for me. How can you get developers close to the problem space? How can them identify themselves with the problems they're solving because they're the ones actually solving the problem, not us. Uh, and that's that's the question basically. Yes.
2: Yeah. Do you I want to, you think... to? Yeah. I can add to that and I completely understand your concern on that one, Saeed, because I have been into like development uh, zone as well, like being a developer, being a kind of like tech lead and then coming to PO role and now as like project management part as well. So I think like it's a very important point and uh, the way I think at Kindred we are actually solving this thing is that we actually have a defined process around it. Like if we want to actually tell our development teams this is what they have to deliver because again our deliveries are very tightly coupled with the legal requirements because we are a kind of like regulated domain. So if we don't tell that thing on a Then it actually becomes a kind of like, as you said, it becomes very monotonous and kind of less motivated for the development teams. But our POs as well as our project managers actually convert those requirements, like not only in terms of what is the acceptance criteria, but also like what business will actually get from it in terms of uh, tangible as well as non-tangible benefits. And when we actually go to our development teams and developers, like this is what the requirement is. This is what the tangible benefits we are actually getting from it. And this is what the non-tangible benefits we are expecting from this delivery in long term. Then the kind of like conversation start from the development teams and especially from the developers because they can actually provide a lot. And it happened like I would say like 30% of the time that we actually discussed this problem with them and they said like okay if that's the requirement and that's the acceptance criteria we can deliver this thing without even doing a development and for customer point of view it is a kind of good thing so we simply like uh, compare it with the requirements and if it goes like yes it can be delivered as what what is expected by the business, we actually proceed in that manner. So, so in that kind of like the way we work towards like delivery versus development, it becomes very fluid. And I think that's one of the reasons that we have less iteration as compared to the rest of the market. And then people actually like think about the product like, yes, this is my product. And it's not just I'm actually delivering what has been asked me to deliver uh, in terms of development.
1: If I may chip in in this particular, let's say, context, because I myself uh, having a technology background and also being a former programmer, understand this. And one of the reasons, uh, let's say it kind of led me to even the role of product in general, because I feel like um, as product managers, we are we basically sit in between, uh, let's say, the conjunctions of different. Let's say stakeholders or departments in general. Right. And at the end of the day, as product managers, it's our responsibility to kind of manage their expectations. So I believe like uh, when I tried empathizing with the developers in general, I think what at the end of the day, they also want to build something which is really great, which is really awesome for. People to use. They also love feedback at the end of the day. I think uh, where, uh, let's say, where I have found out, let's say, the trade or the magic sauce in this particular scenario would be that since they are always knee deep into codes or, let's say, Jira tickets and everything else, uh, it's sometimes very difficult for them to kind of enthusiastically or intuitively kind of move on or even ask for furthermore let's say customer feedback in general so i think one of the uh one of the ways i see myself being a strong facilitator in this particular uh, like let's say area or at fishbrain exactly that's what we have been doing is um we as product managers constantly on a weekly basis have conversations with our users, uh, be it uh, an angler from Scandinavia, or be it an angler from North America, or even uh, being uh, an angler from the land, uh, or like we say, the land down under, Australia. Yeah. Right. So um, <clears throat> what we what we have figured out is that we collect all these, uh, let's say, amazing stories. Um, What we have started doing right now is, one, having these um, popcorn movie sessions. What I mean by that is probably on a Friday evening or uh, let's say whenever we feel like, let's say whenever we go through a very tough sprint or something like that, we just finished delivering something, we need to kind of relax a bit. That's when, uh, let's say, uh, we try to facilitate or arrange these movie sessions. These movie sessions are basically clips of those interviews that we conduct, and also during these, uh, let's say, session, we um, we ask, uh, let's say, our customer support members as well, or even CRM members, to kind of come in and share their stories. It's not a reporting session where you pull up charts and show them this ten. Stand- 10 different things or stuff like that. Rather, it's more of a storytelling session similar to even our current setup right now, where uh, they just talk about their experiences. It's not like we tell our developers that, so this is what you see. It's literally about them understanding and comprehending it. The second fold of this is, uh, okay, now that we have kind of connected the dots or brought the customer stories closer to the development team. How do we even manage that? The way we kind of manage that is... uh, uh, at least in my team, what we have done is we have scheduled weekly grooming sessions. So grooming sessions, we as we know, are sessions when we kind of groom user stories and then start to sort of like, let's say, move towards technical estimations or even talking about how do we even develop them? How might we address this problem? Sort of talk about the hows, Right. So what we have done in these grooming sessions is that usually these are very sporadic. It would happen once every two weeks or something like that. Instead of that, what we have is like a dedicated session every week where we not just talk about the hows, we also talk about the whys and then in these session, we kind of bring up uh, like let's say, or revert back to these conversations. And sometimes it, like it, it actually happens quite often when I am sort of trying to, uh, let's say, groom a particular story or, or an opportunity that we see. I have seen that the deaf team in deaf, they themselves, remember that clip that user said this so automatically i i can generally feel that they they sometimes kind of come up with ingenious solutions because like those movie sessions are not for them to uh, let's say uh, okay these are the 10 things that we need to do rather it's about taking those, then sleeping on them over. And usually, like, let's say that would happen on Fridays. Then next Wednesday, we would have like a grooming session of some sort. And usually that's when ideas start flowing in. So in general, and, and also there have been certain sessions where we literally had Nothing to show, for an example. Probably I was sick. We could not conduct any interviews and stuff. What we do, we actually gather during the grooming sessions and play GeoGuessr together. <laughs> sort of like an online fika, in a way. like As as you know, like how big of a, a culture uh, like fika in general is in the Swedish culture, right? So that, I, I think, at least for uh, in my experience, has helped a lot, sort of like, let's say, bridging the gap uh, between, let's say, the real users and the real developers of the product. And as product professionals, we kind of act as the facilitators, sort of gluing them together, building that bridge for them. I think that's great. Like, I'm, I'm just going to build on
3: top of that. Like, storytelling is extremely powerful. And uh, one thing I realized in the last few years is that hearing a story from the actual real user is like 10 times more powerful than hearing a story from a product manager or an engineering manager or someone. So I this clips idea, like user, we are doing user interviews and we're creating some clips and sharing with the whole company and developers, The same thing, very similar way. Not as, uh, I would say, not as good as you described. That's gonna be inspiration for me to think about how can we do that. One thing we did in my one of my previous roles is that we took it even for next level. We started to bring developers to the user into user testing sessions. Uh, We don't force them to participate, but if they're interested, then they can just sit and watch. It is amazing to see them like how users are struggling with the things that they build, uh, rather than me going and telling them, "Hey, like you know, we need to fix that thing." they're like they're coming and oh we need to fix that thing and the the whole slack conversation changes from should we use tabs or spaces to How do we solve this
1: user's problem, which is like a completely different phenomenon? Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more on that. Absolutely. Because uh, we also uh, initially tried bringing in developers and uh, we started seeing that since it was voluntary. Initially, the uh, let's say the excitement was really high. Everyone would want to be the fly on the wall. But then we started seeing that decline uh, over uh, the summer seasons. And th- that's when we realized well, if we cannot bring them, let's bring the stories to them. <laughs> so that's sort of Perfect. how it
2: kind of came here.
0: What are your thoughts there, Shantanu? You've been a little bit quiet in the corner.
2: So uh, As I was saying about this one, that uh, this, especially this kind of like uh, interaction where you can actually bring this user stories, I think that's really good. In our case, we have more than 2 billion users. So I think, and we have a dedicated customer support department, which also is like around 400 uh, customer support executives. So I'm actually trying to relate to that one. But I understand. I think when we are actually specific, very specific about uh, user stories and the kind of user uh, use cases, I think that can be a really, really good uh, motivation for the team and to kind of like bind them together with the product. So that's really nice, nice idea. Yeah, I will see like if I can use that one in one of my like if we get something related to the users, then maybe that we can actually use this strategy. Good. Thanks for sharing that one. Okay, so do you have any sort of closing thoughts there just to round off your
0: question?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm quite inspired now. (laughs) Thanks Salma. Like uh, that is something uh, we have done sporadically, but uh, I think systemically, like compiling impactful stories from users is something I will definitely try in the future.
0: Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Well, let's move on then. Shantanu, um, we'll come to you next. Um, and the question that you brought was when regulatory or legal requirements comes with rigid timeline, business owners, product managers, and tries to keep the requirements precise in terms of what needs to be delivered and forgets to mention what benefits or issues this holds in terms of business. And now I know you come from quite a strict um, thing with the gambling industry, very regulated. So obviously this is quite tailored towards this, but it's also good to see other people's perspective from different industries as well. So do you mind if you just elaborate a little bit more for us, please?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think like, uh, yes, this kind of like, uh, it might not be like only regulatory domains, like it is kind of like very common in our development era or like in project management, that most of the requirements actually comes with a rigid timeline. And then as a project manager, we basically try to scope out like, okay, this is what we need to do. This is the scope of the this particular delivery. And in that one, we actually loses uh, like, okay, these are the benefits that we, the business is actually getting from it. And maybe because we want to get things delivered within this particular rigid timeline or defined timeline. But at that point of time, how do you guys actually manage it? Again, going back to SAID question like, because we want to actually make our developers engaged with it and not only developers I think sometimes the deliveries or like the requirements are which actually uh, kind of like calls for other departments as well let's say UI UX and then content and then kind of like uh, the data teams and let's say not only data and it can be about like the content management or the asset management in that part so how do you guys actually like work towards that part when we are very specific about the, the rigid timeline and the delivery part?
3: I can try to give it a go in this one. Uh, I actually worked in sports betting for some time. So, and also like when I was working technology, GDPR happened. Like, so we, we have, we had like regulatory like time critical uh, circumstances. Like one thing also I realized lately and we're talking about storytelling, the power of storytelling. Like as a, as a product manager, I think it's like one of the undervalued superpowers, how you tell a story. Uh, you can engage your stakeholders, but also your engineers about any problem if you tell a good compelling story. So one thing practically, I usually suggest people working product management, take your time to create a good story and to tell it effectively so if you're gonna for example bring a problem to a team or a, bring a solution to a team spend an hour how i'm gonna tell this to them like uh, well, how can i start with why how can i connect to a like something coming from user or business needs to like a co- com- compelling story so people can understand why this is happening then we can jump into specifics and details and why they have to be specific because of regulations or what are the alternatives there and where the date comes from. Because like one of the things that as developers and considering for my past is sometimes those days are quite arbitrary. So like, you know, someone put a date on leadership because they need to put a date and that triggers people. But sometimes those dates are real. Like there might be a regulation that's coming in effect or maybe there's a big marketing campaign already booked and explain these things to developers, make them understand and relate to it and then you know commit to it much easier. So spend time preparing how you're going to tell that story. I think that would be my uh, practical advice.
1: Building on that, actually, I, I, I really uh, agree on the part of uh product managers being the core storytellers or the chief storytellers uh, of their let's say product in general right so uh one another aspect of uh let's say product manager is evangelizing at the end of the day and evangelizing is at the end of the day bottom line is storytelling how compelling of a story are we creating to rally the entire team behind one particular uh let's say deliverable right and uh I personally have had, uh, let's say, similar experiences, especially back in uh, Bangladesh, where I come from the telecom industry, which is highly, highly, highly regulated in effect there had been situations where we had to uh, let's say impose certain regulations within a matter of let's say even 72 hours and that literally meant that probably uh, let's say engineers would not or we would not be able to go home for the next 48 hours or something like that we have had certain situations and i think um Uh, what has worked out or what has even inspired me to kind of burn my midnight oil at the end of the day, kind of building on top of uh, what uh, Saeed was mentioning here, that is at the end of the day, how the vision is being laid out. If it is laid out by, well, this is exactly what what they want. This is how they want it. Let's get it done. Naturally, there will be a pushback because you'll be like, who are you to tell me that? Right. Automatically, that sort of, uh, let's say, fight or flight reflex kind of comes into play. But if, uh, let's say, us being the storytellers, if you kind of take a step back and kind of craft the it's all about connecting these dots at the end of the day, regulators have expectations that needs to be met. Developers have expectations that that needs to be met. Our management has certain expectation that needs to be met. They're always, like I, I always push, push myself to find that there is always a common ground somewhere or the other be it on a personal level or even even uh, like, let's say, professional level. Because at the end of the day, we all want to give our best. We all want to do good. The regulations are coming because of a good. The leadership wants this done because of a good. So there is certain common cause. Now, as the storytellers, it's our responsibility to identify and bring forth that particular let's say cause i think that kind of hits the nerve and we as I, as you mentioned like there had been those several times where we had to burn that our midnight oil uh, i remember when we were launching 4g uh, let's say i think 5 years ago uh, back in bangladesh we we had similar issues where uh, the night before pretty much everything went down <laughs> just by like let's say, and uh, we were like, there were big stakeholders back then, like the regulators were there, Nokia was there, Ericsson was there, Huawei was there, like I I was representing Telenor, we were there, things were getting heated, but then again, we knew that these are situations like these are when uh, we all need to kind of come together. So, I think uh, another thing to kind of uh, let's say, build or one. Even stronger logic here is at the end of the day, as product owners or product managers, we have the 100 percent responsibility with zero percent authority. So how do we kind of give um, or or how do we then make people do those work at the end of the day? It's all about influencing them and we can influence influence them negatively, we can influence them positively. It's up to us to figure out how do we address that. So, which is why I always, uh, let's say, try to do this in my practices, as well as something that I l- constantly learn from my coworkers as well, where it is all about whenever they, uh, like let's say management or our clients kind of come with this big, uh, let's say, okay, you know what, we don't want anything else. I need you to deliver exactly this. This is what you need to do. This is when you need to deliver and this is how you need to deliver it. Okay, fine. Thank you very much. They expect me to take that and run to the shop, get it done and get back. I understand that. While running back to the shop, I try to take a step back and figure out, When I go back to the shop, what do I tell the guys? Because at the end of the day, I think that's where the beauty of, uh, let's say, product management kind of comes or shows up. Because at the end of the day, this is the reality of the world. We will face certain situations which will uh, require us to do something which goes beyond our capacity. But the hard reality is we'll have to do it anyways. So it's at the end of the day, it all trickles down to how good of a story, how compelling of a story are we crafting that rallies the entire team behind that particular
2: task? Yeah, I think that's that's really good and I, I agree with you. I think storytelling is one of the key values to actually get the development team engaged and get the stuff delivered. But just want to add on those parts as well, because I think like as project owners and product managers, like product owners and project managers, it's not only that I'm. I'm actually like I'm working as a delivery manager. So when this timeline, the timeline or the kind of like requirements hits me, and before hitting my development team, I always challenges the stakeholders like why. Oh yes, because yes.
1: That's yes. yes.
2: Thing that I think that makes nothing more like it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because if I understand why this timeline is there, because most of the stakeholders are non-technical. They want to get things done, but they don't, and and they don't know like what exactly the scope is. And if they know what's the scope is, then I help them in getting things done in like milestoneing wise, like the phase wise development that we can actually do, so that not only like uh, regulatory parts, but also like the business parts stays happy. With our delivery plan, that okay, we are actually doing it, and that actually saves my development teams to be in a pressure that we have to deliver a whole mountain within like two days. So they know okay, we have to we have to hike Everest, but we have one month to actually do this thing, and we have different base camps to actually climb this thing over there. So yeah, but really good thoughts from both of you. Thanks a lot for that uh, that one. I'm going
3: to build very quickly on that. Like you mentioned something really interesting. So when when a stakeholder or someone, like some leader comes with a solution, turning into a problem is like definitely one of the primary jobs of the product manager. Then owning the problem and convincing the stakeholder, now this problem is mine and I'm going to solve it for you. So that the stakeholder can feel confident, trusted, And then as a team, you go and solve the problem. Sometimes it means just implementing the solution that has come the first time almost the same way. Like sometimes that's what, sometimes that's the obvious solution. Sometimes inventing something else. But I think the important thing is as a team, we can own the problem and we feel like committed to solving it and the stakeholder feels
1: confident. Absolutely. But I think uh, also uh, one thing that Shantan mentioned here, uh, as Product managers is something that I, I would again like to reiterate, and thank you very much for mentioning that. Actually, is the uh, the capability of challenging, or uh, as PMS, one of our key tasks on a daily to day basis is saying no, right? And saying no straight up to faces sometimes directly to our bosses. So that is that is definitely. Um, uh, I would say if you look at it, it's a good thing. You have the power to say no, but then again, sometimes it's a bad thing as well. <laughs> but yes, that is a no.
0: looks like we've just lost Sadman just for a second there. Yeah. Um, what we'll do? Hopefully, you can just jump back on. I know he was having some issues prior to this, but we'll just we'll summarize there. And there's some really nice um, points made by the three of you there. Um Shantanu, what, what, what were your thoughts from the other the others?
2: No, I think like those are really good points. I think uh, both the things that uh, Shadman and Said mentioned, they're really key points in terms of getting the requirements done and keeping our development teams kind of like motivated towards towards the delivery as well. And as, as like stakeholders happy as well. So yeah, storytelling is a really good point on that one. Fantastic, fantastic. So man, we
0: just sort of lost you there for a second. I'm glad to see you back in the room. You all good?
2: Uh,
1: I don't know exactly what happened. I was speaking so passionately. Now I see two of (laughs) me.
0: One of them things, one of them things. At least we're not using the visual. We've got all, got, got all the audio. What we'll do then, we'll move on to your question, actually. So that's quite sure. nice timing. You're still in the room. Fantastic. <laughs> um, now, you came and said, how might we address the ever-changing product roadmaps we prepare, keeping the development at a steady pace, also, based on strategic and business priorities, sometimes we have to pivot to several different directions. How do we minimize the impact on tech and the, on, in these situations? Sorry about the end there. But do you mind divulging a little bit further for us?
1: Absolutely. So what I uh, am trying to kind of navigate through here, through our discussion is, how do we uh, navigate the ambiguity? Because as we know that, let's say when we talk to our developer teams, uh, in a lot of these scenarios, at the end of the day, the discussion becomes, what do I need to get done? Okay, this is what I need to get done. Uh, and then they have already started working on something. And then we realize, uh, I think we might need to pivot from this uh, this direction towards another point. And then uh, while they're working, we end up going back to them and saying, you know what guys i i think this might be the, not, might not be the right direction we might have to pivot to situation b or scenario c something like that how do we minimize that and how do we navigate these ambiguous uh, let's say situations is something that i would love to hear from all of you
2: yeah i think I, I can completely relate to that as i said like we have been operating in europe and recently in last couple of years uh the kind of like regulation has hit us on like on a very urgent basis where we are working towards the product improvement and then all of a sudden a regulation change is requested and then we have to kind of like ask our development teams okay so we are actually stopping to like we are pausing our product improvement and we have to focus on the regulatory part that needs to be delivered with this particular timeline it's it's kind of like a challenging because then most of the developers actually feels like that why and I'm not doing it I want to continue with my own context which I'm working let's say from last one month or something but for a business or let's say for for uh, product managers and especially like for uh, POs it's really important because our kind of like delivery plan is volatile we are not working in a waterfall manner now, we are actually working more agile, and then teams have to actually understand that thing, like, yes, the things will actually change, but they don't have to kind of like stick to a roadmap because the the backlog of, of the product can actually vary from week to week. They what They have to focus on the top priorities for the company, and whatever is there, they can simply pick that thing up and start working towards it yes the challenge is for the developers and for the POs that they should not disturb the team while they are focused on a particular part and if it is kind of like it is very common because of the uh, characteristic of the product or let's say because of the industry then we have to plan accordingly that part as well like the capacity planning should be like this that the main core team or the focus group should work on product and then there is, should be a capacity to actually handle kind of like the oncoming request from kind of like from the urgent requirements, let's say incidents or kind of critical bugs, or let's say critical deliveries that we have to deliver. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's how I have actually managed it in the past as well, uh, that by visioning like these changes will be hitting us, preparing for the capacity to actually deliver that part, and not disturbing my core development team, like you can still deliver what we are actually planning to do for the roadmap. And yeah, that's that's how we do that thing.
3: I think this is like a really good point. I, I'm just going to build on it very quickly. I have this experience actually. That I was working for a platform team and uh, there were users, game teams uh, using the platform and the game teams make plans with very short notice. In two weeks, they want to deliver something and go live with it. And they need something from platform. And if you don't provide it, they build it themselves. And that's something we don't want because then it, it's going to be a total mess in the, <laughs> later on. So preparing for an empty capacity, because this is happening predictably, uh, uh, preparing for empty capacity, not utilizing the team 100% with long-term projects all the time is the only solution actually we could find. The other thing is that very often and sometimes yes i mean sometimes regulators go crazy or like some something in the market changes very quickly you don't you can't predict that but very often these uh, short uh, let's say notice changes actually has been discussed for months or even years uh, before we notice that so one thing i realized is that if you are in the groups of people these discussions are happening and if you can't sense what is happening early on you can prepare your team for that much early on Uh, for example like i'm going to give a very concrete example most organizations have a planning cycle like some organizations have like yearly planning cycle it is so common in the beginning of november some leaders come and say like hey you have 15 days to give us a roadmap for the next year but i don't know how many times this happened but it's also extremely predictable so if you know this is gonna happen, just co- coming back from the summer vacation, you can start to strategize what's gonna happen next year before someone reminding you. So these things like as a product manager, understand these decision cycles and involved and notice and listen early on. So preparing for your team can be also uh, quite helpful. Having said that, I think agility is more like effective than uh, efficiency. So teaching your team that change is good for the business. And even though it is costly, if we can change quickly, we will make more money. So I accept the increased cost because I'm going to make increased revenue. I think that is going to that's uh, also something that you need to work with your team early on. So they prepared for that.
1: Very, very valid points, uh, of both Shantanu and uh, Said. I, I I really uh, like the perspective here, uh, Shantanu, you brought in uh, about, uh, let's say, understanding uh, the, like, let's say, we are not working in Agile right now. Rather, we are working in, uh, sorry, we are not working in Waterfall right now. We are working in Agile, so where change is the only constant. So being ready for that is uh, and capacity planning uh, sort of focusing on core product versus managing incidents i think uh, that is something that let's say currently is been uh, let's say something that i am trying to uh, work through with uh, with my two teams as well uh, especially like let's say since we are managing a social media platform um, uh, like And we are like social media is the heart of it. And within social media, there are, uh, let's say, malicious login attempts. There are explicit contents being shared. So moderation comes to play. So apart just from support itself, there are a lot of factors, a lot of bugs, uh, like let's say come up with versions and all stuff like that, like sometimes even just by a uh, little like liking or commenting breaks down and that entirely breaks down the overall retention or activity of the product. So there are these, uh, let's say, uh, incidents that we need to address. Then there are these ever changing, uh, let's say, strategic uh, um, like perspectives that uh, like, let's say, uh, maybe management is looking at the business from this vision right now. For an example, very recently, I think uh, we were planning uh, right before, let's say the war began earlier this year, we were planning to, uh, let's say, go to the money market, like go for IPO, whereas right now, Our plans, we have significantly pivoted from that. And now we are rather looking at, uh, let's say, raising another round. So that's a completely different mindset, even uh, how we prepare our product vision and strategy as well from there. And that's where, let's say what you mentioned, actually, like, let's say preparing the team uh, for these adversaries. So as uh, product managers we have to be good politicians as well in a way where we predict what is about to come and and i can so relate to what you mentioned right now because um i think a week ago i got that 15 days notice <laughs> about giving my uh, let's say submitting my um, 2023 plans great thing is uh at exactly as you mentioned, I started back in August, so yes. now I have a quite a good understanding of uh, what's what's to come, and the team is aligned for it. But then again, there are uncertain situations, so be making the team ready as uh, like let's say as politicians, kind of preparing them, making sure that at the end of the day, guys, change is the only constant. So let's be prepared for it is how at least we have been able to navigate um, uh, let's say uh, ambiguity in general but i think both of your uh, let's perspectives have been super helpful here at least it helps me understand some of the steps that i'm taking that validates that and some of the uh, some of the mistakes that i might be doing right now it also validates that as well that i should not be walking that path, down that path so thanks a lot for your input on this
0: Fantastic! Fantastic! Sounds like everyone's learned a lot. Now, just looking at the actual topic of the discussion is obviously business over tech, as within the product realm. Do you believe to be an effective product manager that you have to come from an engineering background to understand the tech, or do you believe you can just come straight into it?
1: I have had product managers, or I know some of my colleagues who came from anthropology, physics, architecture. So I I have known, uh, I I also know one of my really dear friends who is, who did a master's in art history, but is an excellent product manager. I think uh, one of the key uh, aspects of being a product manager, one of the key traits is to be inquisitive at the end of the day. Uh, It's all about trying to find out like, you would find that one guy amongst, uh, like amongst amongst a group of people who is somewhat curious trying to figure out what's going on over here, right? Probably that's <laughs> that's the right guy for this job in a way. because as a product manager, we have we have to be managers of the product, managers of expectations from stakeholders, from customers, from uh, like we have to be the voice, of uh, let's say um, say for an example we have to be voice of the customer to to our team members and stakeholders we have to be the voice of our stakeholders to our team members and customers so it's it's a it's a representative job at the end of the day I call product managers as diplomats to be really honest and as you know diplomats have a lot of different varied backgrounds.
0: Sounds like
1: a I, solid answer to the question there. Really
3: I, I, I'm just going to completely agree with him. I mean, uh, the thing is that product management is like a jack-of-all-trades job. Uh, and I mean, you get better at your job if you're good at design, if you get better at business, data, particular domain, storytelling, user research, negotiation, facilitation, leadership, marketing. But you can't be great at all of these. So what i'm telling is that as a product manager you try to get better and better in each of these aspects to a certain degree and after that there's diminishing returns so if i come from an engineering background which means that i have a like a strong engineering but I, i'm bad at marketing so what i'm trying to do is like like get my marketing skills uh, ramped up and it's going to be the same for another product manager who doesn't come from an engineering background Uh, that is good at other things, but maybe that person can start to ramp up engineering understanding a bit to get better at that. I think that's just, that's the way it is. Basically,
2: yeah, I think I agree with both of you, Shahidman and Said, that uh, it's not a must to have that a person comes from an engineering background to be a kind of like a project manager. As as we said, like I think Said, you said, and Shahidman, you said as well, like the person, as we have discussed in this particular forum as well, the, the storytelling is a really important point. So I think if a person is really good in storytelling, keep taking the team to actually like uh, connect to the delivery, connect to the product, having the love towards the product that he's actually managing, uh, that actually is very important. And then other things as said, you said like uh, yes, the other things, let's say marketing, let's say user experience, like improving your business, legal aspects about our project. So those things actually can, can come in and like by time, we can improve on those ones and as our products are like maybe like some product doesn't need that marketing as I can give you like example of Tesla they hardly do any marketing like but the product is perfect so so those kind of like uh different products and different domains so yeah I think like uh, uh product project manager it's not must to have that he comes from engineering background
0: okay awesome just 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 generally, generally curious. Um, right, chaps, we'll leave it there. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast with Asbridge. I want to take this opportunity to thank Sadman um Say it. Thank you so much for providing your insights on such a great topic. Um, I hope to see you again soon. And also, thank you for listening. Really appreciate it.